0: In 1975, 24-year-old Edward Chadwick, often referred to as Teddy by his friends and family, died while spending time with his friends in a small city of southwestern Ontario, Canada. I'm going into this city searching for answers, while all those involved are still here to tell their story. This next few series of episodes will follow my quest to find answers for Edward's loved ones. This is episode 10 of True Crime Real Time, and this is your host... Genevieve Germain. Just a few items about this podcast. True Crime Real Time is a bi weekly podcast covering missing persons and unsolved murders. We're available across many platforms such as Castbox, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many others. Links, information, and pictures relating to the cases or stories we cover can be found on our website at www.truecrimerealtimepod.com or on our Instagram account or on our Facebook page. The links to Instagram, our website, and our Facebook page can be found on the podcast channel description. Photos, as well as any other information, are generally posted at the same time as when the episode is published. Now back to the show. Trying to find the truth hidden behind rumors, fading memories, finger-pointing, and half-truths is something that pulls you in and sometimes hard to separate from. There have been upheavals or ups and downs in the 45 years since Teddy died, and yet his loved ones still don't have an answer. Time is no longer on our side. A little while ago, I was approached anonymously through social media to look into this case and cover it. So that's what I'm doing, and hopefully it will bring some sort of answer for his friends and family. I had no knowledge of this case going into this venture, so the very first thing I did was visit the local newspaper archives to see what was there. Sadly, there wasn't much at all written in 1975, only two small blurbs. The Brantford Expositors' Saturday, June 28, 1975 newspaper published a photo of the police and firefighters carrying the body of a man taken from the river. The article indicates that two teenage boys reported to the police shortly after 2 p.m. on Friday, July 27, that they saw a person floating in the water. The police had speculated that he died earlier that day. Ted's nose was bloody. And the autopsy confirmed that his cause of death was drowning. One of his shoes and a brown shirt was found beneath the cement embankment under the Lorne Bridge. The police had speculated at the time that he had died while swimming but offered no explanation for the bloody nose and missing shoe. The next step I took was to visit the area where he was on that Friday and where ultimately his body was found by those two teenage boys. Today I'm going to be going out it's raining in the city of Brantford today. I'll be driving out that way and taking a look a little bit more around that Lorne Bridge and the old train bridge that's a walkway. I think it's closed down. I'm not sure. However, it's under that area that a lot of people in 1975 hung out, drank, And did other recreational drugs. Um, There was a certain type of individual that I'm told. uh, They often got into fights. uh, They were known by police and this is the area that I think I'm gonna try to look at a little bit more closely today. I'll take some photographs. I'll take a little video this time and hopefully you'll see what I see. It's very interesting because right around the Grand River is absolutely beautiful and yet there's certain aspects to it that is grimy so to speak it's a, a real melting pot of of beauty and, and grime i guess is how I would describe it but i'll let you guys decide for yourselves we're going to take a look um, we're going to see if there's still the same type of individuals in that location in this next clip i've arrived on location this walking bridge here, which is close to the area where certain young males back in 1975 would hang out and drink at any hours of the day, I guess. Currently, this walking bridge is closed. Brantford has many, many, many walking trails around the area. This is just one part of in this garbage can. Nothing much has changed in 45 years because we have evidence of drinking. I am going to go down this trail and the reason why I have it on record is because there is some people tenting down here. I don't know if they're living here or not, but uh, we're gonna find out. This is the area that was described to me as a uh, general location where people hung out in 1975. Hello. How are Good, how are you? How you
1: have
0: Good. Do I have the time? Uh, it is 2.16. Do you mind if I record down here?
1: <laughs>
0: I'm doing a documentary series on a uh, death that happened in 1975. Oh. So this was the location. So I'm just kind of hey. doing a video and a Don't talk let her through. Her. Pardon me. His uh, girlfriend at the time asked me to do a piece on it. Oh. So a media piece. So that's what i'm here doing today it's really peaceful down here back in 1975 this was kind of like the hang spot yeah. for a lot of young guys
1: so oh, they call those the titty rocks for some reason pardon me they call those things the titty rocks oh well I, 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 maybe
0: that's why yeah. <laughs> do you want me to, uh we laundry? do you want me clean up stuff For now, it doesn't matter you don't need clean up don't worry about that i'm just take like a shot of the water and stuff okay We're just going to go down here by the rocks. You'll see the location. I wish that I could get up on the walking thing because you can see the walking where these rocks are. A copy of that recording will be on our website at www.truecrimerealtimepod.com But let me take a few moments to describe to you what the video shows. Just above the river... There is a lot of walking trails. Um, There is an old walking trail that's now closed. It's a bridge that would go across from uh, one side, so the east side to the west side of the river. Uh, We were on the east side. So on that side, uh, we uh, look around. There's actually a trail that goes down a little slope to go down towards or onto the edge of the river. Down that area is a clearing so a nice big space where no grass is growing and there's minimal trees so nice big clearing in the area are two large stones or cement type fixtures there they're very large they're taller than i am mind you i'm I'm only 5'3 but still they were quite a bit taller than me and you heard the gentleman on the video he called those the titty stones or I guess that's what they were known as or are known as. In that clearing it goes right down to the river and there's some big kind of boulders or big stones that are on the edge of the river. Uh, You probably heard me trip on one of them. That would be the location from what I was told based on the conversations that I've had so far with a few individuals where they would hang out also to give a bit of a description of the water flow the water flows quite quickly however the water is also quite shallow so it's very possible somebody could drown in there if they're knocked unconscious if they can't swim and the water was a little bit higher maybe i find it very difficult to believe that unless you were knocked unconscious or something like that it would where it would be difficult for you to stand up because I'm really talking about a couple of feet of water especially around the edges. Now, there is some speculation about that. I know that in 1975 there was a bit of a dam down in that area or closer to that area but just downstream a little bit more which would have made the water a little bit deeper but not too much deeper from my understanding of what was reported and uh, and what was provided to me so far. Edward Chadwick died on Friday, July 27, 1975, just two months before his wedding date to his fiancée, Rosemary. I had the opportunity to speak with Rosemary.
1: Very emotional still, and it's been 45 years. Ted I just had Ted's son, and the next thing I know, the police came and said that they found his body and his brother, and I went with him to the hospital down in the morgue and identified his body and it was so bloated up. I had a heart attack then. I just had Ted's son. And when this happened, it was June the 27th, we were to be married September 2nd. Yep, I had the rings up until a while ago and they were stolen. And he bought their engagement ring and a wedding band ring for us to get married. And- he was so guarded. He would have given his shirt or anything he ever had off his back or whatever he had, money-wise or anything, to anybody. He never did a soul any harm or any wrong. He was a good person. And I've known him ever since grade three. And he helped me raise my first son, Ted did, for two years. And next thing you know he's gone. His life was taken. I couldn't understand why I couldn't get a hold of him and that's when the police came to the door and his brother and I had to go identify his body.
0: The official investigation into Edward's death in 1975 concluded that his death was accidental and the police theorized that while swimming, Ted died by drowning. However, his brother Bill And his fiancée, Rosemary, never agreed with this perspective or this view. As Edward couldn't really swim and would often avoid doing types of activity like this. You see, Ted was in a very bad car accident in 1966 that left him in a coma for about six weeks. During that accident, he injured one of his legs and during his time while he was comatose, there was some permanent damage to one of his arms making it very difficult for him to perform such activities, such as swimming. Here's what Rosemary had to say about the whole situation.
1: Yeah, and Ted never knew how to swim. This is why we couldn't figure out why he was found in the Grand River.
0: Did anybody have any theories as to why his shoes and shirt were off? Or is it just because it was a hot day?
1: Nobody even knew how that even happened because like... He didn't know how to swim, so why would he have his shoes off? And a year later, somebody found his other shoe and took it to the police station. Yeah, and it was identified as Ted's other shoe, because they only found the one. And his shirt.
0: Was his shirt found pretty much the same time?
1: Right after uh, he was found in the Grand River, they found his shirt and one shoe. They didn't find the other. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think the police fully investigated properly.
0: Back in 1975, the police case was closed after it was ruled as an accident. However, the case was then reopened in 2003 as new information came forward and the police had suspected foul play. In the time between 1975 and 2003, Edward Chadwick's case file was destroyed. The only thing not destroyed was the pathologist's report as those are kept for 50 years regardless of cause of death. When the file was reopened in 2003, the police had to reinvestigate the entire case. I've been in communication with Staff Sergeant Grant Davies with the Criminal Investigation Unit of the Brantford Police albeit only by email so far, but hopefully soon will be able to speak in person. And this is what he had to say. The 2003 detective assigned to the reinvestigation has since retired. He spent about two and a half years working the case on and off. During this time, retired officers and witnesses who had since moved on to various locations throughout the province were re-interviewed. Different investigative techniques, including a polygraph examination, were utilized. Detectives in 2003 sought out whatever resources were still available to them from the original investigation, including pathology results, newspaper articles, and speaking with retired officers involved in the case. Unfortunately, some of the parties involved in the original investigation has since passed away. In 2006, April that is, investigators exhausted all avenues available to them and with no other evidence to link to the possibility that Mr. Chadwick was the victim of foul play, the investigation was closed. I have canvassed other investigators who have passed through our criminal investigative section since that time and there is no indication that new investigative leaves that have come forward that would cause the investigation to be reopened. To put it simply, Mr. Chadwick's death has not been ruled a homicide. As always, our service remains committed to investigating these cases to the fullest. Should there be individuals who have additional information not known to police, we want to hear from them. Brantford detective Dave Sinclair told the local media in 2005, quote, We suspect foul play has been involved, end quote. The article goes on to state that the police have suspicions about why someone might have wanted Teddy killed or dead but no further information was provided. This is what a family member wishing to remain anonymous had to say about the subject.
1: They already know who did it, man, okay? Like we've known it for fucking how many years and nobody's done anything about it. You know who did it and they know who did it, they just can't convict them of it.
0: Staff Sergeant Davies mentioned that a polygraph examination was used as an investigative technique in the 2003-2006 to 2006 investigation. We hear a little bit more about this directly from Rosemary herself.
1: And they picked up my first husband and put him through a four-and-a-half-hour polygraph, and they said that he was innocent, and I said, no, no. He had something to do with it. I, I swear on my life is he was jerry gadsby but he changed his name
0: he changed his name after 2003
1: yeah he had to because he was a convicted pedophile
0: in his last email to me staff sergeant grant davies indicated that should there be any individuals who have additional information not known to police that they wanted to hear from them so that's exactly what we did we received a message on our website indicating the following. We all know the Doy brothers threw him over the bridge. Remember any names that we say in this podcast are innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. This information was sent to the Brantford police and I had asked if this was looked into and if so, what the impressions were on it and if they could provide additional details. Staff Sergeant Grant Davy said, thank you for this. Let me look into it a bit further. As I mentioned earlier, the service is committed to exploring any investigative avenues, so please don't hesitate to forward any and all comments you have received about this, and I'll get back to you. We have not yet received information with regards to this. However, I will be following up shortly, and so an update on it will be in our next podcast episode. So far, I've spoken to several people, and there have been quite a few different type of rumors or finger pointing. I believe so far I've received five different names of potential people who could be involved in the death of Edward Chadwick or responsible for the death of Edward Chadwick. Whether or not these people were investigated or interviewed as part of the police investigation, we don't know. However, I did request a copy of the case file as well as the pathologist report from the Brantford Police Services. And I was told that this would take about 30 days to get to me and they would call me once it was in the Brantford police station I can drive there and pick it up. It's been about uh, two weeks now since I requested this. So I'm really hoping that I'll get it in the next two weeks. Once that comes in, it will definitely bring a different view or an avenue of review or research or investigation. I've reached out to several people, trying to get in touch with them, one being Edward Chadwick's brother. Unfortunately, he does not want to be interviewed for the purposes of this podcast. He's trying to put his brother's death behind him. It's been 45 years, he's getting older, and he has some health issues, and it's just too much to bear for him to go through again. I completely understand. So we will not pursue that avenue any further. And hopefully once we get the case file from the police, any interviews in there with him will be sufficient enough for the purposes of this podcast. There are a few other people mentioned that were friends of Ted's at the time that I've been trying to get a hold of. I've gone to their local haunts. I've talked to random people within the parks where they locate or where they congregate, I should say. I've left messages. At apartment buildings or at houses and I still haven't received a call back. I will continue with this. I found the two individuals that found Edward's body and reported it to the police on that Friday around 2 p.m. I've reached out to one of them that I've been able to identify. I have not received a message back. I do plan on trying to talk to these individuals before the next podcast episode, and hopefully get their side of the story or information that they might be able to provide. I'd also like to learn a little bit more about the Doi brothers. So, if anybody here is listening that know any of these people, or are one of the people that I've been trying to get in touch with, please contact me. The best method to contact me is via Facebook Messenger at Genevieve Germain, or by email at truecrimerealtimepod@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can leave a message on my Facebook or website. The website is www.truecrimerealtimepod.com and I'll be sure to get in touch with you just as soon as you leave me a message. You can also leave a message via an email account set up through our Facebook page. And as always, If you have any information with regards to the case, you can do so by sending a message to Staff Sergeant Grant Davies at the Brantford Police Services. The phone number for Brantford Police is 519-756-7050. That's 519-756-7050. This wraps up Part 1 of Ted Chadwick's story. The way the river flows. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Crime Real Time. If you have questions, comments, or case suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at truecrimerealtimepod at gmail.com or complete the case submission form on our website. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of True Crime Real Time. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a good rating and leave us a review. This will help our reach and bring more attention to the cases we cover. But before I let you go, here's a promo to a new indie podcast that you may be interested in.
1: Go. Were you traumatized as a child by watching Unsolved Mysteries? Do you like to judge facial hair? (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? We have a podcast for you. Can you believe it? It's called Perhaps It's You. And it is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We're two cool mystery ants, not really, (laughs) who watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries each week and tell you about it. We update you if any of the mysteries have been solved. We rate the episode on a scale of Robert Stacks. We can give episodes a possible five out of five Robert Stacks, although it rarely happens. Very rarely. We also complain about what everyone is wearing. And it doesn't really matter if you know anything about Unsolved Mysteries or not, you should tune in because it's the number one podcast on iTunes.
0: Yeah, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, most podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, perhapsitsyou.com, or find us on the social medias at Perhaps It's You. Yep. And... Get out there and solve some mysteries, bitches! Yeah! (laughs) I hope you'll join me in two weeks' time as we continue our investigation into the mysterious death of Edward Chadwick.